This is the Borders of Equality podcast, a podcast about immigration and political economy. I am Alex Afonso and this is the second part of an episode on migrant workers, the labor market and the pandemic. You can listen to the first part of the episode where I speak to a young migrant worker and his life during the corona crisis on our SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean or iTunes channel. Slaughterhouses have been in the media now for a number of weeks, in the Netherlands, but also Germany, the United Kingdom or the United States. They have been hotspots for Covid outbreaks. One major element that has come to light is the poor working conditions and low wages of workers in these workplaces. Because of these working conditions that are unattractive for native workers, they employ large numbers of migrant workers housed and transported together, often in crammed houses and buses, and with insufficient attention for health and safety. In this episode, I talk to Imke van Gardingen, a policy advisor at the Dutch Trade Union Federation, FNV. With Imke, we talk about the regulation of this type of work, why people choose to ignore it, and how it could be improved. Okay, hi Imke, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Um, in recent weeks, the situation of migrant workers in the Netherlands has come uh, under the spotlight because of a number of outbreaks in workplaces that employed many uh, migrant workers. So Imke, you've been working on, on the situation of migrant workers uh, in the Netherlands for quite a long time. Were you actually surprised that these outbreaks happened in these places? Well, no, in fact, we're not surprised at all. Um, actually, in the beginning of the crisis, in the first week that the uh, government announced all the measurements, we um, we warned that this would was bound to happen. We've known uh, how migrant workers are crammed together in housing facilities, uh, travel together in buses to workplaces where they also work quite closely together, not only work cl- quite closely together, but also in canteens. And, and um, so we knew that it was going to happen and it's not a surprise that it happened. It's sad, of course, because um, we could have been prepared to avoid this, but um, no, we're not surprised. Yeah, actually, I'm, what, what what does surprise me is that obviously a lot of people are not aware about it, um, about what's happening. And it seems to me that it's more like a choice to not know about it because it's it has been very well known for ages. This is a discussion that has been going on in, polit- in, in, in the parliament, in newspapers for at least over 10 years. So in my opinion, if you don't know about it, it's more like because you choose not to know about it. And what happens is that in a lot of sectors uh, where a lot of, well, I would say cheap labor force is needed, um, there is not enough, there are not enough workers in the Netherlands to, to, to do this work under these conditions, we should add. And um, so there are a lot of, employers, stamp agencies actively uh, looking for workers in um, mainly Eastern European or Southern European countries. So can you tell us a little bit about how this business model actually works? So uh, from what we've gathered from the press, uh, workers are recruited abroad from by agencies, sign a contract there, are then brought to the Netherlands and the company that uh, employs them, provides for housing, and then dispatches them to different employers. Can you can you explain a little bit how this model works? We have the freedom 
of movement, uh, free movement of workers and free movement of surfa uh, uh, services in Europe. And that's a good thing. But what we can see happening is that workers are not coming here uh, to the Netherlands to find a job that suits them, find housing facilities that well, suit their living uh, situation. But it's quite the other way around. Uh, recruiters are going to uh, the well, sending countries, mainly in Eastern Europe and Southern European countries, and offer package deals. So that would uh, include a job, but also housing, transport, and um, healthcare. So when they arrive in the Netherlands, they most workers, and it's not in all cases, but a lot of workers would sign a contract for work, housing. Um, transport and um, health insurance and it's not an option it's not that you can negotiate like I would prefer the housing over there or I would like to um, well think about whether or not I will take the offer to uh, have transport to my uh, uh, workplace and that's what makes it very uh, difficult to um, for workers to uh, have a strong position because the employer controls all the components of the package deal. Exactly. And, um, well, it's not that it's standard, but we can hear a lot of migrant workers saying that they are not, that they um, at some point are told that you should take your stuff and be moved to another housing facilities. Or you could come home and then find somebody else in your in your in your bedroom, you you mostly you share your bedroom with uh, at least one person, and that there could be somebody else lying next to you that day. So it's also a, a breach in in, in privacy uh, for a lot of workers. And it's one thing that this is a business model, but our main concern is also that it is um, um, part of the Dutch legislation. We have the uh, Minimum uh, Wage Act. And in this uh, act, it's forbidden to deduct from minimum wages from workers. And that's a good thing because you should be allowed to get your whole wage. Uh, but there's an exception and that's for rent. So you can uh, deduct 25% of the uh, wage for, for housing facilities. And 25% might not seem so much, but that's really a lot. And it's exactly the approximately 100 euros a month, a week, that workers pay for a bed. You can see, if you, if you, if you have seen a lot of contracts, you can see that mostly a bed is approximately 100 euros a week. And that's exactly the amount that can be deducted from your minimum wage. So what kind, in what kind of sectors is, is it especially important, this type of business model? We've talked about slaughterhouses, this agriculture, I suppose. Yeah, it's in, the slaughterhouses are in, uh, in the media, all over the media now because of the uh, um, uh, coronavirus. But similar um, business models uh, we can see in the uh, distribution center. Um, and also in agriculture, in the logistics, in the transport, international transport, um, shipbuilding. So it's mainly the, um, the sectors that are known for um, having a lot of workers from abroad. And these are workers that, that work mostly 
minimum wage. Yes, absolutely. I can imagine that there are different types of employers. Not not all of them are completely unscrupulous, but with this business model, it is in the interest of the employer to minimize the cost and the quality of the housing while it can deduct the maximum legally possible from the wages. So what what workers take home every every month is basically below minimum wage in terms of net income. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's good that you uh, mentioned this because it's absolutely true that not all employee employers are like this these bad people. But the thing is that this is justified by the minimum wage act. And what they do is not illegal. It is not uh, it doesn't uh, make you a good employer if you maximize the deductions, but it's legalized, and that's the uh, well, that's the main frustration, maybe that that um, we oppose to this kind of practice. And you can see all over the news that uh, uh, people agree that this is not a good thing, the way that people are housed. But it's not a practice of bad employers. It's just in the Dutch law that it allows these kind of practices. Because Dutch labor law seems to be, at least my impression is that Dutch labor law seems to be quite protective for people in, let's say, regular employment, which includes most of the Dutch workforce. But there, there, there seems to be significant gaps for the kind of peripheral labor market in which these migrant workers work. So it seemed to be like a really big contrast between the conditions that prevail for most Dutch workers and these loopholes where essentially only migrant workers work. Well, this is not the distinction between migrant workers and, uh, well, local workers. Um, mm-hmm. This act and this um, uh, exception in the Dutch uh, Minimum Wage Act is not um, is not um, addressed to migrant workers, especially. But in practice, it's it's something that migrant workers deal with. And it's one thing that um, um, it has this perverse effect that it's, that it's good to keep, to, to have this deduction of 25%. But it's also, like we discussed before, that uh, on this 25%, uh, you don't pay any taxes and also uh, employer uh, premium. So that makes it also very attractive to use this model. And what you're saying about the difference between flex uh, and people who are, have a regular contract, that's maybe one of the core problems because what we can see is that a lot of migrant workers work in flexible contracts short and also not secure of how many hours they would, would get in a week. So all the, um, um, we have made an action plan on labor migration. And one of the uh, four uh, main themes is to improve the flex market. And that's not specifically addressed to migrant workers, but in the end, a lot of migrant workers face all the uh, problems that come along with this flexible labor market. So what would be the main uh, action points that, uh, that, that you think would improve the situation? Well, 
first of all, it's important to um, to make a cut that your employer is not also your landlord. When we talk mm-hmm. about when we talk with uh, uh, colleagues in Belgium, also with law enforcement in Belgium, they they are they are amazed that it's possible in the Netherlands to have your uh, employer also be your landlord, and all the vulnerabilities that come along with that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, we should, on European level, uh, work harder on having a fair mobility of workers. We have a lot of directives, a lot of regulations, but in the end, it's not enough to uh, secure a social agenda, a social, a, a good position for workers, for mobile workers. And... Um, Well, one of the main problems is also enforcement, eh? the lack of enforcement in that. And if we don't work harder on having a a more kind of mobility for workers um, that is fair, then it is difficult to have a, um, to to support this free mobility. Then the the, uh, criticism on fair mobility, on labor mobility will only grow. And the third thing is to improve the flex, the flexible labor market in the Netherlands. It is because of all these uh, possibilities to hire workers temporarily and also for uh, uh, very uh, small contracts that uh, we have we, the labor migrants face all these problems. That the, one of the main complaints is also that they didn't know that they would get all these small flexible contracts because then, um, well, if they would have known beforehand, it, it would have been mainly Spanish workers complained a lot about that. The last year there was these, there were a lot of Spanish workers complaining about their working conditions in the Netherlands. And one of their main issues was also that they didn't know about the fact that they would get a zero-hour contract or just for a few months. So that's the third thing. And the fourth is enforcement. It is a very uh, big problem that we have all regulations, and some of them are very good, but they're not enforced. And actually, it's a bit sad because there are a lot of good inspectors working at the labor inspectorate, but at somehow it seems to be difficult to um, to be effective. And I'm not sure if that's only because of the understaffment. They, they present an annual analysis on the Dutch labor market. And these are really fantastic. If you, le- if you read the analysis they produce annually, it's exactly what is wrong on the Dutch labor market and also how workers are um, exposed to um, exploitation. My impression is that um, the situation of migrant workers in the Netherlands, but, but this also probably applies to other countries as well, that most people don't really have an idea of, of these working conditions and this business model and the conditions in which many of these, of these workers actually work. Is it surprising? So this is the topic that you, that you work on, that you're very active in. But how do you explain that this is something that is mostly invisible for most people? Well, like I said before, um, um, it's also a choice not to know because it's mm-hmm. been over. It's been in the newspaper, all over the newspaper for the last ten years, maybe uh, sometimes a bit more. But 
especially last year, there's been a lot of media coverage on this, uh, on the way that uh, migrant workers are housed and also the conditions that they work in. Also in meat processing, it can be a surprise that the working conditions are very poor there. Um, so on the one hand, yes, it's a choice not to know, in my opinion. But on the other hand, we can also see that it's almost like this parallel society. There was a journalist last year and he uh, investigated the working conditions in the distribution center and also w lived uh, for a couple of weeks in uh, on a camping with a lot of migrant workers. Mm -hmm. And that's how he um, defined it. That's how he uh, framed it. And I think he's he is right. There is a pa parallel society, workers living in in um, um, quite isolated from other communities, uh, living in working in um, well almost like boxes, like distribu distribution centers with no windows. We can't see mm -hmm. them. They can see us. So. It's very easy to um, not know about it if you don't want to, because we can't see them, we can't hear them. And that's what I uh, think is very good. One of my colleagues, he uh, has a team where they go to um, um, uh, housing facilities, talk with a lot of migrant workers, and um they uh, tell us about their uh, housing and working conditions and also that they uh, it's very different from what they expected when they came here. Because it's one thing that we as trade union think that it should be better and should be different. But it is possible that migrant workers consider this to be better than the conditions in their home country. But what mm -hmm. we actually do hear a lot is that workers... Um, um, say that they are very disappointed that they didn't that they thought in the Netherlands everything was well taken care of but what you can see now is that, that these promises are not um, um, are, well they are not true the pictures that they got from houses where they would live in are very different they just get a bed the working conditions are different from what they're promised and also the hours that they are not um, um, that they don't get sufficient hours is not something that they knew before they came here. Um, yeah. So, so now this this topic has come under the spotlight because of the Corona crisis. And and uh, do do you think that this, even if this, you know, you, you said that this has been a topic for the last ten years, but now that it really becomes an issue to uh, to contain the, the the spread of the virus, do do you see? Uh, more political intervention happening to improve these conditions. Well, there has been a, a debate in the in the parliament. Uh, we have a a team. Um, they're called in Dutch the Anjag team, and they mm -hmm. should um, um, advise the government on measures to uh, improve the situation uh, now for the for urgent measures, but also for the longer term. Um, what we can see in this, those discussions is, is that there is always a um, group saying, well, well, everybody agrees now that there should be an, uh, conditions should improve and that, that, that this is not a good thing. But you can see a group uh, saying that, well, within this frame, we can 
uh, work on improvements and then we can change a bit here and then we can improve a bit there but in 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 um, basically the system how we do it now is good and then we can see a group and we are in that group is saying that no this is structurally not good it's it it it's it doesn't make sense to just improve a bit here and there we should actually look at how we um, organize our our work and um, how flexible work how we um, and 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 um, how we still make it possible that the employer is also your landlord this is something that needs to be changed structurally and i hope this will um, uh, well i hope that we can uh, achieve that but i'm not sure that if that's if this is enough to actually change this for the better we, we in, in germany there is a new uh, legislation from january next year that in meat processing workers should be hired directly um, mm -hmm. not through all uh, temp agencies or other uh, that you get a long chain of uh, um, employers subcontracting subcontracting exactly and this is a good step forward and I hope that in the Netherlands we will have the same structural changes but I'm not convinced yet that it will happen do you think that this is difficult with the current political power relationships in government absolutely this is not a government who will uh, want to change this business model and also not the way that uh, we would prefer to not have all the subcontractors and this is not about having migrant workers or not this is about having this long chain of uh, subcontractors where employees do not even know who is in the end the responsible person where they can go to when something is not good in their contract okay well thank you very much yeah thank you for the invitation <laughs> <laughs>